0: So I believe structure is incredibly important and it's actually a function of feeling like you belong. So if you're a leader and you think you can just bring people together in a physical room or in a virtual room, and that's the end of your job, you're really missing the magic of what makes those moments happen. It's not just that people are thrown into a room. It's that there's some structure behind that. And sometimes the structure is so seamless, the people in the room don't even recognize it. Like that's That's really well done when they don't know why it worked so well.
1: Welcome back to CEO on the go. I hope you're doing well and not spending too much unnecessary time in meetings. I did a little research for this episode and learned that the average CEO has 37 meetings per week. That's 72% of their time. And middle management has around 35% of their time in meetings, upper management around 50%. And many employees just feel overwhelmed by the number of meetings, 45%. So that's more reason for you to make your meetings count or to have less of them. Anyway, I hope you're getting the most out of your meetings, especially your virtual meetings, which is the topic for today. Think about the last few virtual meetings that you've led or participated in. What went well and what would you want to change? I hope this episode inspires you to up your game when it comes to designing or delivering virtual meetings. And that can mean big virtual conference style meetings or small, more intimate team meetings or meetings in between because virtual meetings are here to stay. And it's easy to fall into the same old, same old habits. But if you keep improving one little step at a time, it will make a big difference when it comes to the success of your meetings. So I have brought back one of my guest experts that I interviewed very early on in my podcast journey, uh, to help you stay current or even leading edge when it comes to leading or running engaging virtual meetings. His name is Robbie Samuels, Based in Philadelphia. Robbie has been recognized as a networking expert by NPR, PCMA, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Inc. As a virtual event design consultant, he helps organizations bring their events online with less stress and greater participant engagement. And he happens to be an expert on Zoom, but what we discuss applies to any virtual meeting held on any platform. Robbie is also a TEDx speaker and author of three books, including his latest, just released. Breakout of Boredom, Low-Tech Solutions for Highly Engaging Zoom Events. I encourage you to check out Robbie's new book. He shares many simple things that you can do. Um, And let me know if I can be of help to you to help create high value in your meetings. I'm always happy to speak, lead, facilitate, or simply consult. Coach, depends on your needs. And as you listen to us, I challenge you to test out just one new idea to make your virtual meetings more engaging. Enjoy my conversation with Robbie Samuels. Robbie, welcome back to CEO On The Go. I'm so glad to have you back.
0: It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me back.
1: Yeah, well, I think you were among some of my early guests that I had on when I first started the podcast a couple of years ago. And I so appreciate all your help um, in helping me design and execute engaging virtual meetings. So, We still need to be talking about this topic, I think, because virtual meetings are here to stay. There's still the the hybrid workforce. And even though people are working in offices, they're having to communicate virtually and have virtual meetings. So what are you seeing out there? Why would you argue that it's still important?
0: In the beginning of the pandemic, I think we all gave each other a lot of grace around how we showed up virtually. We were just all making our way and doing our very best. And now, three years later... And beyond, it's becoming very clear who made an effort to keep getting better at showing up virtually, whether it's speaking, hosting, you know, facilitating, running meetings, whatever it might be, and who uh, literally just turns on Zoom. <laughs> and that's like the end of their Zoom expertise. And that divide's only gonna get greater. And so when people are complaining about Zoom fatigue, or not another Zoom, or Zoom's a four-letter word, um, which it is, I get. Uh, <laughs> it's because of how people are using the tool. And there are people um, that, like myself and those that I've trained that are doing just such wonderful, transformative, inclusive, and engaging online experiences. And when you have that moment, and then you go back to somebody who's doing the whole 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint, followed by ineffectual Q&A and no one moderating chat, which is so 2019. Um, the difference is really stark. So I just feel like now three years in is the time for us to really get serious. Sometimes it's just small things. It's like finessing. Sometimes it's the design and like plan ahead of time. Um, but it's about getting, in my mind, it's about getting 5% better at using Zoom every time we use Zoom.
1: Yeah, good, and I know that my audience are, are primarily leaders, CEOs, senior executives. They they may use Zoom or Teams or some other program, but the principles that we'll be talking about today still apply, and so you know, knowing that a lot of leaders are listening, one of their concerns sometimes is just how do they start a meeting? I'd like to start with just some of the basics. When you are leading a meeting and you have to kick things off, sometimes there's this initial awkwardness as you might be waiting for people to enter the room. Sometimes there's this awkward silence and people not knowing what to say, or you just hear two people carrying on a conversation with everybody else listening. So what can a leader or manager do, whoever's running that meeting, to to really have a strong start and take charge from the beginning?
0: I think it depends on the size of the the meeting that you're having. If it's really a small team and it meets regularly, it might be a different opening. if it's a gathering for a presentation that you're doing and these people don't necessarily all know each other i just went to an orientation um virtually for a group that my wife and i were considering joining and uh, as we joined the call two of the facilitators were like just finishing um sharing like okay you'll do this i'll do this okay great and then they both just sat there quiet and no nothing in chat no eye contact, no no waving at the camera, no greeting us, no smiling as we came in. like z- nothing. And we just sat there. That is the thing we can avoid. So it's super awkward. Um, now the other extreme is what you said, which is where if um, the facilitator had noticed someone, let's say that they knew and they're like, my gosh, Mary, it's been so long and like those two start having a conversation as everyone else starts trickling in. Um, and you know, we're all kind of new so we don't know these people. That's awkward too, because then, you know, the whole fishbowl is happening where we're, we're watching that conversation. It's also really hard to, to end that, like wrap that conversation up in a smooth way and then transition to the full group. Um, you have to really be like, okay, stop, you know? So the in-between would be a few things. One would be, um, don't let people into your room until you're really ready to go. Like having a waiting room on is really key. But turning it off, turning off the waiting room once you're ready to go. So two things are important here. One is when you're setting up your meeting, and I'm I'm I am specifically going to talk about Zoom, but I agree with you that these principles work on all virtual platforms. And a lot of the things I write about in my latest book, Break Out of Boredom, Low Tech Solutions for Highly Engaging Zoom events, apply also to in-person events because it's about design and facilitation. Um, but having the waiting room on means that you can do all that behind-the-scenes stuff without anyone watching, and you only let people in, and you disable the waiting room. Think about it as like a teacher—you prop the door open only once you're ready to have students come in, uh, and then write notes in chat, wave at the camera. Like I'm not saying you have to unmute because then you fall into that trap of all talking to each other, but you know, waving, eye contact, smiling at people, writing "welcome" in chat. Um, the little things can really go a long way. And also decide when you're gonna start your meetings. The phrase that really kills a meeting is let's just see we can have a few more people come. Let's just wait another minute and see who else comes. I, I know there's some more people waiting. We're waiting, we're just gonna wait a few more minutes. That's vague. I start most of my meetings two minutes after the start time, but in chat, I will say, you know, meanwhile, enjoy the music. I'm playing some music, I'm waving and smiling at people. And then you know, two minutes after, it's like okay, go time. Be specific about that. Be clear about that, and and also, I'm not waiting for like a vague number of people to arrive. I'm just giving everyone a little bit of grace time because I know that we are moving from one virtual meeting to another without necessarily like a bio break in between. Uh, I could have I could cut that to one minute, or I could start right away. I just it's it's a design question as opposed to. We're just going to sit here in silence until everyone shows up, (laughs) which is awkward.
1: Yeah. So what about during the meeting? Um, You know, when you're in an in-person meeting, you kind of read the room a little bit more easily and you can look around and you can see when somebody wants to jump in or you may be able to politely um, help someone uh, wrap up their comments. So how do you do that virtually? I know that that's a frustration that some of the leaders I work with um, express is really having to manage the meeting virtually to make sure everyone's engaged, that that should be and also not allowing people to dominate some of the typical things you deal with in person but it's a little more
0: challenging virtually i've actually found it to be easier to manage this online and i'll tell you why okay yeah tell us in person there may only be one microphone and so if bob (laughs) at the beginning of the q a is the first to the microphone and bob tells a long story and doesn't actually have a question you're like waiting for the question. You're like, well, Bob, do you have a question? But you don't actually have another microphone, whereas here, all of us have microphones, so it's a lot easier. Um, so there's two things you just said. Um, one is, how do we make sure that everyone's engaged? And, and that's the question of structure. And then the other one is, how do you interrupt people politely? And I will, I will answer both. So I believe structure is incredibly important, and it's actually a function of feeling like you belong. So if you're a leader and you think you can just bring people together in a physical room or in a virtual room, and that's the end of your job, you're really missing the magic of what makes those moments happen. It's not just that people are thrown into a room. It's that there's some structure behind that. And sometimes the structure is so seamless that people in the room don't even recognize it. Like that's That's really well done when they don't know why it worked so well. So communicating to the people in the room, the participants here's when and how to ask questions. So in a virtual space, don't assume that everyone's going to know what to do, uh, particularly if you have new people coming in all the time. Are you taking questions through a Q&A section on, on the platform? Are you going to take questions via chat? I like to ask people to write the word question in all caps before writing their question in chat. So I'm more likely to spot it. Um, will questions be answered throughout or mostly at the end? You know, like, just uh, those kinds of frames. So I, I like to do a little Zoom orientation housekeeping piece at the beginning of a meeting as a way to sort of level set. This is what we're doing. You know, here's what I like you to add after your name. You know, first name, last name, pronouns if you'd like, and your location. Like whatever the whatever thing you want them to do. And then the other piece you asked is about interruption, and it comes down to thank you, thank you, thank you. Next. So Bob's going on telling a story. And the thing is, it, without interruption, Bob doesn't realize that he's ramping up as mm-hmm. opposed to <laughs> slowing <Yeah>. down. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you just so oh, thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, appreciate you sharing that. All right. Perfect. All right. Now we're going to hear from Gail. So there's three, you say three niceties that just sort of interrupt the flow a little bit. And, and, and really what happens is it's preventing Bob from from ramping up and, and, and Bob's realizing that he's not the only one with the microphone, <laughs> um, but it's done in a gentler way. If you just said, all right, your time's up next. Like I don't think anyone's going to want to communicate in that meeting. Like at that point, now everyone's a little on guard about going a minute over. Um, no one wants to be the person who gets shut down. Even if Bob maybe kind of deserved it no one else wants to possibly fall into that too. And be scared to, to open their mouth
1: yeah that makes sense. I wanted to touch on uh, you know sensitive topic about being on camera. And uh, sharing, you know, some of the observations that I see, experiences that I've had with my own clients, where they may be having a, a, you know, relatively small meeting, say six to ten people, and not everyone has their camera on. No one speaks about it. Sometimes I've seen meetings where everyone has camera off except the leader, and that's extremely awkward. When you on Zoom, you just see everyone in a black box and their name. So, tips on how to help people. show face, um, the importance of that without feeling forced. And I know there are times when it just doesn't make sense to to be on camera, but I think leaders are missing an important opportunity to engage people differently by maybe requesting or encouraging them to show their face on camera.
0: 100% agree on so many of your points there. I think that it's a little bit like a dress code that um, when you're reading an invitation to a fancy party, you look for the part that tells you what the attire will be. You know, is this business uh casual? Is this um business formal? Is this formal? Is this black tie? Right? You like you look for that cue or you look on on uh for photos of the event from previous years to try to get a sense of, of how fancy or not is this. So I think we have to communicate ahead of time with our group about the expectations of this group and, and create a norm. Now norms don't mean absolutes. Uh there should always be some leniency. And there are Uh, reasons. And I'm going to use the word valid here, but it feels actually unnecessary. There are just reasons that people may have their camera off. um, you know, And and it it might be uh, they're driving their kids to school or to a doctor's appointment, but they still want to be listening into the call. Um, There's also neurodiversity issues where actually paying attention is easier when you're not also um, looking at everybody and looking at yourself. And by the way, you can turn off your own self-view if that's part of the issue. Um, But I do think that if you call a meeting, for instance, a webinar, people are going to come with the expectations that cameras are going to be off. And if they find themselves in a Zoom meeting where cameras can be on, they've already decided in their head that they're going to have cameras off. So you have to really communicate ahead of time that we'd like you to be camera ready and in a space where you can unmute so we can all have a conversation. So if you're planning to do either small group discussion in the main room or small group discussions in the breakout rooms... You want to communicate that expectation ahead of time. And then you'll always have the exception to that where someone is calling in on a phone or like can't have their video on for one reason or another. You can't spring it on people uh, either. That that, is, that really doesn't work. And I also think that this probably impacts women more than men because um, women... Because I tend to work with a lot of women uh, entrepreneurs and, and they... They want to they, the effort to become a ready is a little bit more than <laughs> me putting on a polo shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what you know, if you really want people to be comfortable showing up, then it, then you're giving them the lead time to know how how you want them to be so they can be prepared. Um, but then I think part of this is also about making the case for attending live versus watching a replay. And if there is no interaction in the room. If you're not going back and forth and having a conversation, if there are no breakout rooms, if you're not even watching chat to see what people are saying, well, then they're checked out. The people who show up are feeling checked out. The people are starting to think, well, I can just watch the replay of this, which they probably won't, by the way, because life is busy. So I just, I think, um, yeah, make the case and make it really clear what the benefits are being present. You'll get to participate in the conversation, ask questions, engage, and... It's really hard to read body language if the camera's off. (laughs) But you can read body language a lot better and and know when people are leaning in, you know they're wanting. You know, they're kind of interested. You can tell they're confused by their facial expression. These are things that you miss entirely out. It's like we're going back to using phones.
1: Yeah. And from a leadership perspective, too, I think one tip is to help them understand why. Like you're not the, the leader saying, you must turn on your camera. We really want everybody to see each other. It's, we think this really helps us come together as a team and engage at our best and solve problems better. So to help them speak to the benefit of that for all involved as opposed to this mandate that everybody's got to have camera on so um yeah, you touched on value a, yeah
0: yeah you, t- you
1: touched on another topic that i i think is also um a good reminder for leaders that aren't using this feature enough is the breakout room and i know that you've You've taught me specifically having three people in a room, like three is the magic number. Um, in a lot of the meetings I'm running, it may be an hour long. Like I said, six to ten people is kind of an average. But you could even do very quick, maybe five-minute breakout sessions and achieve something that's really important by having that more kind of intimate dialogue. But I know you spoke to the number of three is kind of the, the magic number. So well,
0: it depends on how many how many rooms are going to be open. So I. Um, I think for a quick kind of icebreaker, get to know you, check in, uh, two people for five minutes or three people for six minutes. And the reason three people for six minutes works really well is if you have a lot a lot of rooms you're opening, there's always a chance that someone's gonna end up um not getting to the breakout rooms because their internet fails them. The chances of two people in one room having that happen really diminishes. Um, So you wouldn't want there to be two people in a room. One of them doesn't make it. And then one of them is just sitting there waiting, like wondering what's going on. Now, if you only had uh, four or five rooms that you were opening for 10 people, uh, then I think two people for five minutes could work because you could quickly notice, oh, you know, Mary didn't make it. Let me let me go move Sally over, you know, like you could do things like that. But three people is nice because if you were in person, it's it's the equivalent of meeting the people sitting next to you. It's the people close. It's like really getting there a little early and getting a chance to chat. And we're we're missing some of those um, serendipitous moments. And I think building that into a weekly meeting could be really wonderful. Something I've been doing now for many years is I do a quick check-in where people share their personal and their professional win. And it's three people for six minutes. And it's nice because, I mean, professional wins are always wonderful to help. You know, not everyone knows what everyone else does in a business or in a company, but the personal wins, like, oh, my granddaughter graduated from college, like, you know, like that kind of thing. It's water cooler talk and it's wonderful. And people connect around all of that and they feel seen and appreciated and they're more present in the meeting because they get to say the thing that they're thinking about. And it's it's relationship building and it takes all of six minutes. So the total thing, I would say plan. It could be a total of 10 minutes. It would be a minute or two to to sort of say, hey, everyone, we're going to do this thing. You're going to share your personal professional win. I'll give you my example. So then whoever's saying that this prompt says their personal professional win, that gets people thinking about their own wins because a story leads to someone else thinking of their own story. Then you have the six minutes. And when you come back, what I like to do to close this out is ask for nominations in chat. So, hey, did you hear particularly awesome, compelling, or wonderful win? Write that person's name and either the word personal or professional, and we'll call on them. See if we can have them share briefly what that win is. Call on two to three people, and you get to hear these amazing things. And now you jump into your call and everyone is feeling seen, good, present, yeah,
1: supporting each other.
0: They're all present. They're all it's not just the leaders doing it, they're they're all collectively creating this experience. And it took 10 minutes, the beginning of your call. Um, it's I think it's a wonderful way to establish rapport. Um, particularly if if it's a group that is you know starting to get to know each other, and everyone will always have a new win to share. It's not an old question; it it will always be something little w or big w. They'll always have something to share.
1: Yeah, that's a great technique, and I wanted to emphasize too the importance of clarity and what you're requesting them to do. You know, to just have one simple ask or a statement or fill in the blank or something creative that you can come up with. You know, like what's been the best part of your week? Uh, what is the project that you're most looking forward to? do you notice how my questions are positive oriented? (laughs) I like those in a business setting because we don't ask them enough. We're always talking about what is the problem we need to solve or where did we mess up last week and who is at fault and how can we fix this? So having a very clear, concise, kind of positive oriented question can really help elevate your meeting and the morale as well.
0: One last tip on that would be to tell them the order in which they're going to go.
1: Yes, to save time.
0: Uh, yeah, that'll just otherwise they all just stare at each other for a moment when they get in the breakout room. So alphabetically or reverse alphabetically by first or last name. Uh, anything else will probably just take away time and and be a little confusing. Like length of hair, color, you know, brightness of color of shirt, all that stuff. Birthdays, it all takes away from the conversation. And there are also technical tools in each of these platforms. I know in Zoom, you can actually have it set up so that the countdown clock appears in the top right corner of the breakout room. So people really know how much time is left and they can manage. um,
1: Yeah, seeing the clock tick down, that's a really helpful visual. Good. Um Good well, I know there's so much more that we could talk about and you cover so much in your book and you've you've covered so much just really over the the years that I've known you and appreciate what you've what you've shared so much, and you're helping me learn how to design and deliver engaging meetings. Are there any final tips or something that you th- you would send leaders off on like if you do nothing else, remember this or be sure to do that. Like is there one kind of overriding <laughs> um, tip or thought that would be most helpful?
0: If you're a leader. And you have the opportunity to be interviewed on msnbc or cnn would you change anything about the way you're physically set yourself up so is your camera eye level or are you looking down at the camera are you sitting in the middle of your screen nice and tall with only two fingers of space above your head or are we looking at your ceiling fan um you know like these are little things that will make you look a lot more professional Uh, to just have your, your physical setup, like your, your video framing, good quality audio, good lighting, right? Like all these basic things, the lighting should be it's lights, camera you. So the light always goes in front of you. And then the cameras in front of you. And then you, you don't want any light behind you. You don't want to backlit. You want to be side lit with a shadow of your face. You don't have your vertical blinds coming across your face in the middle of a meeting. So, you know, Ask yourself, am I ready for prime time? Or is there something I can do to really up my game with just my audio, my video, and my framing that will make me look better? And then get your team to all do the same thing. Because then when you switch from, you know, who's, let's say you have three people presenting, those people should all be framed the same way. Because if you're on MSNBC and you had a panel, You wouldn't have one person sitting low on their screen one person with their head cut off and one person we see their ceiling fan like that it would be all even like everyone's shoulders would be the same height even though in real life they're not the same height so think like am i ready for prime time whenever you're sitting there to do a presentation
1: Good. That's a good challenge. Um, and like you said, one that even if they're not comfortable doing it themselves to, to share this with their teams, whoever manages their media or runs their meetings, just to ask the question, what can we do to take this up a notch to really make sure that we're positioning ourselves and reflecting what we want um, in this virtual world?
0: Yeah, there's that Japanese concept Kaizen that I, I learned that term after for like three years, I was talking about getting getting uh, incrementally better. And Kaizen is this concept, it's a very old concept. So you know, it's not that we have to do leaps and bounds different from what we did previously. It's that we look for little things we can improve. And then that becomes more comfortable and that becomes our norm. And then we look for the next little thing we can improve. And we keep doing that and we elevate everybody's experience over time so that people stop. Part of the reason they're not turning on their camera and all that is that we're tired of the way meetings are being run. And I will say the last thing I will say on this is do you need a meeting? <clears throat> because not every meeting should actually be meeting. Some meetings should be an email or a Slack. Yeah. Um, so <laughs>
1: That's a whole other episode, by the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the purpose of the meeting should be really well-defined yeah. and and expressed ahead of time. So if people understand the value and the purpose of this meeting, they're more likely to be more present and engaged in the get-go if they think oh this could have just been handled like i could have been cc'd on this i didn't even need to do anything um yeah so you know you talked about breakout rooms i wrote ten thousand words about breakout rooms in my latest book so there is so much like it was the first chapter i really was like diving into and uh there's so much about that um to really like fully pull all stops out because there's so many great opportunities for using it.
1: Yeah. Well, I know you and I first met through No More Bad Zoom, which was the happy hour that I was um, tuning into every week during the pandemic. And now you've got the the latest book out that you've mentioned. Where can people find it?
0: It's called Break Out of Boredom, Low-Tech Solutions for Highly Engaging Zoom Events. And it will apply to any virtual platform. And a lot of it applies to in-person as well. And you'll find the book's bonus content and the book in ebook or paperback at breakoutofboredom.com. It is hit number one in 18 uh, paid Kindle categories across three countries. And uh, I'm super excited to hear people's feedback. I'm getting a lot of reviews, 70 plus as we record this. And I'd love to see your, your listeners' reviews as well. And uh, and nomorebadzoom.com is a great way to see what I do because the first Friday of every month, I'm still three years later hosting that virtual happy hour. It's free. You can drop in anytime. It's a great community of people. Yeah, you can ask questions.
1: Good, good, good. Well, Robbie, thank you so much again for joining me today and keeping this issue still on the radar for us and, and continuing to get better. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a great rest of the week, leading virtual meetings in the best way that you can and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.